0: Welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show that explores the intersection of security, technology, and humans. I spend 5 to 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts, which I then turn into a concise 15 to 30-minute summary and analysis. There's a summary episode every week, as well as periodic standalone episodes that are either me sharing an idea on a topic or discussing one with a guest. The goal is twofold, to keep you up to date on the absolute latest in security and technology and to explore ideas that hopefully give you something to think about. All right, welcome to episode 221, starting off with security news, coronavirus, which I was hoping would not dominate the news completely, but looks like that will be the case for quite some time. So I tweeted on Saturday that we're about to see a bunch of AI companies claiming that they could find sick people in mass video feeds, and that this would knock down the final weak barriers to a London-level video surveillance around the world. And a day later, someone sent me this Vice piece, which was talking about a company doing this exact thing. They claimed that they could basically use video to find people who have a fever. And this is from a company who already has an algorithm that supposedly finds guns, and as I've talked about before, I really think this is the future. Basically, sensors plus algorithms equals insights. We shouldn't even consider it to be a video camera. It's really an algorithm that can see visible light, right? And if you add other RF frequencies like, you know, infrared and UV, and plus you add things like temperature and chemicals uh, detection, like there's a new ML algorithm that can detect, it can smell like. 10 different dangerous chemicals. It's actually combined with a chip as well. But um, vibration, uh, radioactivity, there are so many sensors you could possibly have in lots of different public places. You just hook those sensors up to various algorithms, and what you have is the building blocks of a prediction engine, which I think is simultaneously glorious and terrifying. The FDA has granted emergency approval to a coronavirus diagnostic test that takes only 45 minutes to get results back. It's coming out of Sunnyvale, California, and the company's called Cepheid. And they say they're going to start sending tests out this week, which is great news. Israel is using people's mobile location information to text them and tell them that they've been near an infected person. And the reactions to this on Twitter are pretty predictable. I run in a lot of information security circles. So a lot of people are saying, well, you have too much access to that person's phone and their location, and this will be misused. But uh, I think, you know, crazy times call for crazy measures. But at the same time, you, you don't want to just give up something that you can never get back. It's a trade-off that people have to be aware of. And when people aren't aware of it, that's when you have a problem. Amazon has stopped receiving shipments from warehouses of any items that aren't deemed essential. This is so they can process all the essential stuff and actually get those shipments out to people. Police around the world are using drones to tell people to go back indoors, and California is one of those places. And someone pointed out the, I don't know if it's irony, but we're using Chinese drones to do that. And uh, that's the same thing China was doing with their own drones. And uh, people were like, well, this is quite dystopian. But now California is doing it with uh, the same drones that China was using. A number of U.S. companies have decided to retask their factories to help produce masks and respirators. And many companies who already have some, and they have their own supply like Facebook, for example, are giving them away to local hospitals, which I think is just great. It's a great show of solidarity from so many of these companies. The St. Louis Fed chief says unemployment could hit 30% in quarter two. That's uh, fiscal quarter two. And that the US GDP could fall to 50% of normal. That is just an insane number 50% of GDP. And rich people are buying ventilators for themselves. And lots of people are looking at do it yourself options here. I expect this to be a new upper middle class status slash prep item in coming years, which uh, I guess it's great if it just becomes like a new normal thing to have, kind of like a fire alarm or something in your house. Everyone has a ventilator because we don't know when the next coronavirus out of Chinese wet markets is coming, and we could just assume that it's coming at some point. Which is what Bill Gates has been saying forever. And in addition to all these epidemiologists, which we never listen to. But anyway, maybe this will become a piece of standard gear for people's houses um, in case another respiratory illness hits us. Zoom is facing significant scrutiny on Twitter right now due to their rather permissive privacy policy. Basically says at any point we could sort of capture data from you. There's also a particular monitoring mode that a host can turn on. Forget what it's called, but it can actually tell you if the person is looking at the camera, I believe, or no, not if they're looking at the camera. It could tell you if they have the current app in focus to make sure they're not using other apps. So people are freaking out about that as well. So Zoom is taking a lot of damage right now on the interwebs study ranked all the major browsers on privacy and gave Brave the highest marks while Edge did the worst. pwn to own yielded 13 bugs in its first virtual edition of the conference. Normally, everyone goes up to CanSec West, which is in Vancouver. And, you know, it's a big conference. It's all about O-days. And uh, this year it was virtual. Advisories. Three high-severity vulns in Cisco's SD-WAN software. And leaks data on 538 million Weibo users is being sold online. Technology news. HTML6 is coming. Looks like it has some pretty cool uh, simplifications like a dialog tag that hopefully make uh, a lot of convoluted code more simple in, in its own tag. This seems to be the theme that I saw reading through the docs. Amazon Prime Video is streaming kids movies and TV for free. Uber says rides are down as much as 70% in major markets, which yeah, I would I would hope they are. And you can now get a 5-hour five $5,000 physical exam in Manhattan. And you get your results back pretty much immediately, like right after. It's like a full day spa complete with meals and multiple doctor consultations. And it's open to absolutely anyone who can pay $5,000 to get a physical, which means it's not open to very many people at all. Companies. Aura raised $20 million for its health and sleep tracking ring, which I have one and I really like it. And I just found out that it actually measures temperature and respiratory rate. Like it's got a bunch of cool data in here, which isn't really surfaced all that well inside of the app. I had to go into my health app and actually find the raw data, but really cool stuff. I I just love this ring. Um, I I like it because um, it's pretty cool that you could just kind of look backwards and say, Oh, I wonder, I kind of felt weird the last few days, but you know, you can never really trust your memories that well. So, you have to kind of look at data, see if there's actually any data there. So because I have a watch and because I have this ring, I could actually look back at the health app or whatever, or numerous third-party apps and see if I see anything different uh, during that time. So anyway, they raised some money, so good for them. Human news. China has exonerated Dr. Li Wenlang, who blew the whistle on coronavirus early and was attacked by the Chinese government. They did so due to the extreme anger and pressure from the population of Wuhan and other places in China over the cover-up, basically, of how he was treated while trying to do the right thing. So they've basically said they've apologized and they said they were going to punish the cops who, you know, did what they did. But uh, I don't know. I feel like this is too little, too late. I mean, the guy was a total hero. Conan O'Brien is going to film his show at home using his phone. Sounds very Conan O'Brien-y. With NASCAR and F1 shut down, pro drivers have started playing racing video games with pro gamers. And FIFA is doing something similar. The FIFA video game is also unifying teams and fans while soccer is shut down and Californians can now order alcohol for takeout or to go. Or if you're in the UK takeaway, ideas, trends and analysis sickness monitoring is the opening video surveillance has been waiting for. This is the piece I wrote over the weekend, basically saying that, uh, People have been trying to do London-level video surveillance in the United States and elsewhere in Europe for a long time, and there's always been pushback on the on the grounds of freedom and privacy. Privacy, and uh, I think this is going to push it over the edge. I think that a company comes to a city or whatever level of government and says, "You know, I can uh, I can find sick people. I can find people with fevers." I could find people who are coughing too much, whatever. I mean, it could be true or it could not be true. People will believe it. Uh, businesses will believe it. Companies will believe it. Uh, governments will believe it. Countries will believe it. And they will put safety and security above privacy and, and freedom, I think. I mean, we're already doing that. It, this is a sliding scale. It's not. It's not a one or a zero, right? So it's already happening in a lot of cases. It's already being pushed back to, against in a lot of cases. But I think this might be the final sort of straw that basically we need to be able to stop the giant event that happened in 2020, right? Well, we're looking back at this five years in the future, 20 years in the future, and the damage this is going to do to the economy. Um, same reason we try to figure out what caused, you know, World War II. And- or World War I, or the 1918 pandemic, or any other horrible thing that's happened, right? You, you look at the things you could have done, and I, I think uh, these technology vendors are going to have a, a strong, strong argument. Now, the actual efficacy of the tech, that's another, that's another question. Is, is it really going to be that good? How effective is it? Um, the odds are it will probably be kind of crap in the beginning, It'll be kind of like security theater, like taking your shoes off um, to go on an airplane. But there haven't been many airplane attacks since they started doing that. So maybe maybe the stuff is somewhat effective, although in that case, it's a human actor maybe being convinced by this uh, security theater. Where in the case of a pandemic, viruses don't care if there's security theater going on or not. But uh, the point here is these texts will make themselves into video monitoring systems because the argument is just too compelling when it lands on a very fearful population and very fearful governors and mayors. It's just going to be too compelling of an argument for them to resist, I think. What we can learn from Camus' The Plague, which I'm not sure, I can't remember if I read that, but I'm going to go read it again uh, to, to see what it has to say. An argument that the New York Times is becoming the Walmart of journalism. And it's time to ban the wet markets. This is uh, seems very obvious. <laughs> so many viruses have come out of this open exchange of animal innards. And blood, with uh, with humans, and uh, this is uh, it, it seems pretty pretty obvious at this point that we're going to have to do something about this, and I think China is already, already already making some moves here. Multiple thinkers offer how they think things will change as a result of the pandemic. It's a pretty cool link. And updates. So I watched the movie Contagion yesterday, which was Sunday actually. Why? Because I'm stupid. That's, that's why. You never watch <laughs> pandemic movies in the middle of a pandemic. Not recommended. Although I kind of do recommend it. It was really good. It was actually recommended multiple times by the epidemiologist that was on Joe Rogan's show uh, like two weeks ago. And uh, he basically said it was, it was halfway decent. So I was like, oh, whatever, haven't seen it. I like to be afraid every once in a while for a few minutes. I get it under control. The movie actually didn't scare me. It was just kind of, it was kind of an okay movie. What was more interesting to me is how similar it was to what's going on. So the origin story was basically the same. Wet markets. Um, it showed like patient zero. It showed how it moved. Um, they It just had so many similarities, which is obviously why it seems to be a favorite among uh, people who track pandemics. Um, I imagine they think it had some level of uh, authentic representation for their field. So it's probably a favorite, just like hackers have favorite hacker movies, which by the way, the best one is sneakers. And that's not really up for debate. And uh, I'd already been planning on doing this, but I'm about to start doing a lot more standalone episodes of the podcast. And that means two things. One, one, more standalone essays as podcasts, and two, more interviews. And I've got some pretty cool ideas and guests already brewing for interviews. And if you have any ideas on who you would like to hear from, let me know. And discovery. Why soap works. This has been fascinating me for like four weeks, ever since I heard anything about this thing. I was like, people are like, wash your hands with soap. What's so magical about soap? That's what I was wondering. Turns out, and I will mess this up, you should definitely read the link, but basically you've got like a sperm cell looking um, molecule that makes up the soap. And one side of it goes towards soap, I believe, or goes towards water. And the other side, the tail side, is – hydrophobic, I guess, or whatever the, the anti-water one it hides from water. So what happens is the little tail carves inside the membrane that, um, surrounds certain viruses uh, like this one, for example. So basically the soap molecules bury themselves inside of that soap or that, uh, membrane container around the virus. And it basically just tears up that membrane. So, um, yeah, this is why soap works. And then what happens is it breaks it up and the fragments come off and basically the water washes it away. And once everything touches the actual genetic stuff inside, it's all, it's all ruined. So that is the mechanism. It's this little sperm cell looking molecule that cuts into, um, cuts into the membrane around the virus. And that's why it works. And there's another explanation for how it cuts grease and stuff like that. But I finally had to read some chemistry on that because I, I was just wondering, why is this a miracle thing? And the other thing the article that, link, that I linked to here talks about is how it's just been like a miracle for ever since it was discovered. I can't remember when it was. Was it the 1800s or? must have been mid-1800s or 1900s. I can't remember. But it was quite a while ago that they said, you know, just do this. Because before that, people were just diving into, their hands were, they're doing surgery. They have their hands inside of a human. They're covered in whatever, entrails and and blood and everything. And they just kind of move on to the next person and put their hands directly into them. Maybe they wash them off with a, you know, wipe them off with a towel or something. But they weren't washing their hands, and definitely not with soap. And uh, people were dying in surgery, turns out. Anyway, probably more than you wanted to hear about soap or that you anticipated you're going to hear about soap. Calm is contagious, a great list of 10 ways to deal with a major stressor. This is a really cool link. How I Remotely Podcast. That's not me, it's someone else, but pretty good resource. And Reddit's r slash coronavirus, which is subreddit, coronavirus subreddit, truly extraordinary resource for this event. Tracking everything around it, highly recommended. Doesn't mean everything on there is perfect. It's not how the internet works, but quite, quite good surfacing of interesting stories. And there's so many people looking at it. I think it's like the fastest growing subreddit right now that, um, The comments are quite good. So if someone posts something garbage, like someone will just show up and be like, hey, I'm an MD. I've been doing this for 30 years or whatever, and this article is total total bunk. Or they'll be like, actually, I was part of that project. This is legit, blah, blah, blah. And you have the ability to present credentials. There's just so much vetting that happens um, around these types of communities that are really large where you have lots of people participating. Just uh, highly recommend it. You should check it out. I also recommend, before I forget, r slash uplifting news. Who doesn't need uplifting news right now? Nobody. Uplifting news. It's a, it's a Reddit, subreddit, but it's only positive stuff. It's It's fantastic. You should definitely put that into your routine. Got a link to the most toxic plant in North America, evidently sap from this thing hit by rain that falls on your skin can burn you, which sounds pretty metal. And imagine being on a reality TV show where you had to be secluded, and when you came back, the world was on fire. <laughs> and th- this is what happened to, um, what was it? Oh, it was Big Brother in Germany. So all the contestants came back and they were like, yeah, so what's going on? I need to call some people. And they're like, hey, bad news. Um, The economy's crashing and there's a pandemic. And by the way, I can't talk to you. Um, Step away from me, six feet minimum. That must be surreal. How to run your first chaos experiment in 10 minutes, which is basically attacking Kubernetes instances and making sure that They'll recover properly. And JSTOR, JSTOR, don't know how to pronounce that. It's JSTOR has open access to over six thousand ebooks and fif- no one hundred fifty journals to the public. And in praise of phone calls, recommendations. Consider setting up a group text with your family members. So basically, start a thread add everyone to it and keep the flow going. And when you call your friends, you know, to have a voice conversation, consider using video option as well. Uh, Many of us need additional connection right now and just try it and just keep trying it. Even if people don't accept it first, just assume they need more connection than they're letting on. And make sure your home network is locked down. I think the risk is actually pretty low still. I, I haven't done much thinking on this. M- maybe someone can slap me upside the head and tell me where I'm thinking about this wrong. But it seems hard to target tens of millions of people at home. Just because you know they're working at home, it doesn't mean you know which home they're working in. It doesn't mean you know how to associate all these internet-facing IPs with the actual people you're trying to target. It seems like it'd still be easier to go through the, uh, the corporate stuff. and and get to their systems there. But anyway, maybe I'm missing something about that. It just seems like um, still difficult. But you should still avoid being low-hanging fruit while you're on your home network. So um, if you Google for IP, just just Google for the word IP by itself, they will give you back your public IP address. And you could scan it from the outside to make sure you don't have anything ridiculous facing the internet like 445 or 3389 or 21 or any number of uh, ports that could be an easy, easy access for people to get into your system. Um, so take a look at that and just uh, consider doing it for your less technical loved ones as well. And the aphorism for the week. I was never really insane except upon occasions when my heart was touched. I was never really insane, except upon occasions when my heart was touched." Edgar Allan Poe All right, thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. I believe the ads are not just annoying, but that their incentive structure is toxic to the content creation process. So if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it directly for just $5 a month or $50 a year, which is two months for free. UL members get the newsletter each week instead of just twice a month. They get access to the archives. They get access to the UL Slack community, where we share ideas and links about the topics we discuss here in the podcast. They also get access to the UL Book Club, where we pick a book a month and talk about it live as a group. To become a member, just head over to danielmeasler.com slash subscribe. And thank you so much to everyone who's already a member. Each of you is helping support a model of content creation that we really need right now. And I appreciate you greatly. We'll see you next time.